0: This week on A Lively Experiment. After years of discussion and debate, legalized recreational marijuana is now a reality in Rhode Island. And will this week's school shooting in Texas affect gun control legislation at the General Assembly? A Lively Experiment is generously
1: underwritten by... Hi, I'm John White Jr. For over 30 years, a
2: lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders.
0: I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS. Joining us for a Reporters Roundtable WPRI Target 12 investigative reporter Steph Machado, Patrick Anderson, State House reporter for the Providence Journal, and Boston Globe columnist Dan McGowan. And welcome to Lively Experiment, I'm Jim Hummel. It is great to have you with us this week. After years of stalled negotiations between the governor and lawmakers, legislation paving the way to legalize recreational marijuana, sailed through the state house this week. And with it, expungement for thousands of convicted cannabis drug crimes over the past several decades. Uh, Steph, let's begin with you, you know, off, on, off, on the last couple of years. It sounds like there was a lot going on behind the scenes that all of a sudden it's like they opened the spigot and here we go.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have been negotiating behind the scenes for a really long time. But once the House and the Senate got on the same page, it didn't really matter that much that they still were in disagreement with the governor because they knew they could get enough votes in the House and the Senate to get this through. And so that really made it a lot smoother. They still negotiated um, and amended the bill earlier this month before they passed it, made a few changes that made the governor um, get on board, but it really, you know, it, it it's a waiting game. You wait and wait and wait and then all of a sudden it happens, so... The big issue, though,
0: with the governor was who's gonna control the, the, the retail outlets, right?
3: Yeah, he wanted to keep um, oversight of the program in the Department of Business Regulation. Um, he lost that battle. They are gonna create this new Cannabis Control Commission, but they did reach short of a compromise. DBR is still going to oversee it for quite a while. Um, during the transition into retail stores before the commission takes over, and DBR will still have a role. It seems like they're actually going to be doing a lot of the work in terms of the uh, actual nitty-gritty day-to-day regulating. And there's also going to be this advisory board that's created that will be advising the new commission on uh, various policies, how to spend the money, things like that
2: the um, I, I think they got a lot of uh, so sort they of taken a lot from other states that seem to make a lot of sense certainly like on the equity stuff i think makes a real lot of sense um, the question i had for you Steph, yeah. in, in as you look at it is Um, The big question now is where are these things going to open and are municipalities going to, you know, all be supportive? Because I'm hearing different views from different municipalities. There are plenty of places that don't seem to be all that interested in having – they want tax money, but they don't necessarily want this
0: in their backyard, right? Yeah,
3: and you can only – the towns and cities can only get tax money if they have a store, which they were hoping that that it would be shared amongst them all, but – and it's uh, only three
0: percent for the community.
3: I yeah, only, so 3%, but it's only three percent. Yep, three percent on the sales. But yeah, I mean, there are communities that already ban the sales yeah. of cannabis, and some communities might pass. Um, actually, they have to have a voter referendum if they want to ban the sales of cannabis. But if you already have a dispensary in your town, it's too late. You cannot ban it. So that's so Providence, port- Warwick, Portsmouth, and these other dispensaries that were pulled out of the lottery. If any of them get up and running. Um, before November, then those towns can't ban it either. Oh, that's-
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it just for, from watching this for so long, it, it almost had an, an anticlimactic feel last week. I mean, we've, we've said, are they going to do it or when are they going to do it? And by the time there was finally an agreement, most of the discussions you know, were on details about exactly who would control the stores and then details uh, and objections more from the left on exactly how uh, the, the equity measures would, would work uh, and expungement, rather than if there was actually going to be an effort to block legalization. And, and so by the end, it, it really wasn't a raucous or, or um, really explosive debate, or, and you didn't have people uh, celebrating or protesting. There, there, there was a very subdued feel uh, both for the debate in the state house and even for the signing, people mentioned there wasn't, there was no one really clapped. It, it was just very, um, it, it was very subdued. And how many and, pens did the no, governor uh, give
0: away?
3: I did <laughs> too.
1: Was it just two?
3: To <laughs> Representative Slater and, and, little, and there, Senator Miller. Yeah. And <laughs> no, nobody smoked <laughs> up at the at the signing. But the, but. but the question
0: is, so I had not heard anything. I'm not following it like you are. I had not heard anything about wiping away the expungement, the criminal records. And that's, I don't know if other states are doing that. It makes sense. But when did they start? Publicly, I didn't hear about that until a couple of weeks ago.
3: That's been part of pretty much every bill Um, in one way or another. I think there was debate about which crimes are we going to expunge? Is it just possession? Is it all marijuana crimes? And are we going to make it automatic? Um, previous versions of the legislation would have made it petition-based, so you have to go ask the court for the expungement. But actually, Governor McKee, in his budget bill that came out in January, he made it. Auto- he was going to make it automatic. So mm-hmm. that was the first time we had seen automatic in a like legitimate proposal that was going to get real discussion. And then eventually, the House and Senate version of the bill, they did make it automatic.
0: You know, you would think the one thing we learned from Massachusetts, and it's been what, three or four years now, you remember they opened up those two sites and they were, and, and it was so expensive. So here we are. It's a 20% tax. you got t- you got uh, 10% cannabis tax. You have the 7% sales tax and then the 3%. Is it going to make sense financially if, the you know, David Play said, we want to stay away from the black market? Is it is it going to be reasonably priced? I guess that's this the question.
2: This reminds me of the sports betting debate always. People right? say, oh, we're going to get rid of all the bookies. Right. Nope, because the bookies give you credit. And <laughs> when it comes to marijuana, there's always going to be a place for black market, especially if you can make it. It cheaper. So I think there's always going to be that, but, you know, you talk to people, I'm not a major indulger in, in marijuana, but you talk to people who go to the, uh, you know, the Massachusetts places and buy it, they get fe- fairly good stuff, they feel like they like it, so I think people, you know, uh, who might, might have been on the fence or who don't have a, you know, drug dealer in, you know, whatever place, um, I think they're going to be much more comfortable with it, and, and I don't think the money is going to be that much of a factor.
0: Yeah, and for Expense. once, but for once, the tax revenue is not an issue. We're so awash yeah. in money. You remember when Governor Raimondo put it in her budget? It was like, well, we can raise twenty-five to fifty million dollars, and that, that seemed was like, like a big, big deal. part of the main like, argument. Exactly. And now,
1: no, no one really thinks twice about how much we're going to make, and it's it's almost a, a footnote uh, in the whole debate. Um, it's it's almost, people are focused on how the industry is going to develop. Yeah, and things like how much it's going to cost, is it going to be premium, who's going to get the licenses, um, in what locations, and are they going to be big businesses, are they going to be local, worrying about people who for years put all this money, speculating that it's going to be legalized and put all this money into warehouses and, and different investments in cannabis-related businesses. That's now the focus you know, rather than how much the state is going to get out of
0: it. Final point for the people who are watching. So, if you're if you're in Little Compton or Barrington or Warwick or wherever, not Warwick, but you know wherever you are, so how is it going to roll out? They will decide unless they vote against it. You're, and it's yeah, this so fall. How does that work?
3: Your town or city council would have to pass an ordinance to put a referendum on the ballot this fall. It has to be this fall. They can't wait till next year, um, if they want the voters to try and ban cannabis sales. Otherwise, in the town.
0: you're available.
3: Otherwise, you you so can it's have. opt out. Rather than it's opt out, out rather than opt in. Exactly.
0: <clears throat> okay. The. Um, Another massive school shooting in Texas this week has put the focus back on gun control legislation. Uh, this is the perennial issue up at the State House. People are back this year. Dan, uh, you had a great column about, um, just in general, about this. I wonder, you know, these bills seem to not be really going anywhere this year of substance. I wonder whether this jump starts. At, you know, it's all timing. P- politics is all timing. If this had happened three months ago or obviously three months from now, we wouldn't be talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, if the
2: legislature were out on May 1st, let's say, I don't think you'd have gotten very much done. I heard, I had heard, and you guys would know better than me, certainly you, Patrick, you know, there was potential movement on the you know, raising the age to buy a rifle, um to 21 and they thought maybe they would get that this year um it does feel like there's now going to be a a really kind of spirited debate about it and I think the kind of the argument's going to have to be you know what can you kind of trade off with some of the 2a supporters you know I think there's a a movement to um kind of regulate stun guns that you can give to you know as as a win for 2a supporters And uh, potentially, you're going to need to get a lot more, uh, I think, from folks who are, you know, worried about gun control. So, you you know, that 21 bill, the, you know, high-capacity magazines is something that's very important. Obviously, the ban on assault rifles. Um, It does feel like this will, you know, make that discussion – it it gives it a lot more of a chance than they had, you know,
1: on Monday of this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this happened right before – the House Democrats began their caucus for their the annual budget discussions where the rank and file members go in and, and tell the speaker what they want and air all of their grievances and, and ideas. And this is issue, uh, I believe, came up a lot, um, especially because of the timing. And things like the assault weapons ban, the high capacity magazine ban, I don't think were really seriously on the table before this but and now you know the the odds are probably still unlikely that it happens but it's it's a live issue now i think it's really being debated some people are really pushing for it and so yeah so then the question becomes is that possible or yeah as dan said you know are they going to look for something often in the past they've looked for something else that they can do that's that's not all the way to those bans, and but to pass something on gun control, because there, there's definitely a, a huge push, and, and there was a huge shift in momentum among a lot of lawmakers to do something. And the dynamic this week.
0: is different because Nick Maniello is not there anymore; it's Joe Cicarchi. Yeah, it's a cool. very,
1: it's a very yeah, the, different
2: dynamic. I mean,
0: I think you guys would agree. I
1: don't think
2: this is a problem in the House. I think your Senate Judiciary Committee is the one that's the one you have to pay attention to, because the majority of the Senate Judiciary Committee tends to be more pro-gun. Yeah, yes. even
3: at the at the cannabis signing when Governor McKee handed the pen to Senator Miller, he said, and send me those gun bills and I'll sign them. So the fact that, that in, Senator Miller had brought it up in his remarks, and this is probably why it was a little bit more subdued because it felt very trivial, frankly, that we were talking about marijuana when something so terrible had just happened and, and when most of the people who were at the news conference want you know, an assault weapons ban and a high capacity magazine ban. So, you know, it's obviously being talked about the fact that the governor's signing something and saying, yeah, send me those gun bills. I'll sign that too. So it's, it's a live issue, like Patrick said. And, and as Dan pointed out in his column, they don't usually pass major groundbreaking, multiple pieces of major groundbreaking legislation in one session. They, they usually save things for future years, but uh, in light of what happened, this is certainly going to get a lot of debate before the session's over. For, for those
0: who didn't read your column, and if you didn't read your column, come on, what are you doing? What Let's you read Dan's column, right? <laughs> uh, for those who didn't read it, you made a great point, and you pointed out historically about how, okay, we'll give you just enough to to satisfy you this year. It's going to be this or that. God forbid we'd be able to pass major legislation on a variety of things in one session, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you should be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, and, and um, traditionally, right, it's not about necessarily what everybody believes in. I think you have a majority on gun control issues, majority in the House, majority in the Senate. You do have the Senate judiciary problem. It is traditionally that, yes, you know, you're going to get gay marriage, so we're going to hold off on every other left-leaning bill Year over year, reproductive rights for women, things like that. This year was supposed to be the weed bill year. Right. And that was it. And, you know, everybody should be happy with that. I do think things maybe have changed a little bit because of what happened in Texas. Um, But, you know, lawmakers do like to hold things back. They'd love to take care of this issue in a non-election year, um, you know, where it's less where there's less pressure on you and things like that.
0: Patrick, we're rounding the bend from Memorial Day, traditionally the home stretch. This year, election year, plenty of money sloshing around. So it, it, we're not going to be here July 4th. What do you see that what, what should we be keeping our eye on other than, you know, cannabis is out of the way, um, the guns are in play. What else should we be looking at at the assembly heading into the home stretch?
1: Lots of stuff. I mean, there's taxes um, with that. What are they going to do with that nearly $900 million surplus? I think it it looks likely that the car tax is gonna go away a year early, um, especially because it's an election year. If it's an election year and people are worried, they break the glass and look for a car tax cut. Um, And so I would think that's gonna happen. The question is, is there gonna be more than that? Could there be a sales tax cut? Could there be something that allows the governor and lawmakers to cut checks to people? that's a possibility uh they they're talking about stuff i i think you know the governor looking at the the primary he's facing would definitely like something like that um so that's kind of number 1 there are other issues uh i mean the abortion medicaid thing is still that before guns uh and the shooting happened the supreme court decision you know was in everybody's mind and a lot of folks were really pushing to allow Medicaid to pay for abortions and for state employees' uh, insurance to cover it. That has kind of now been pushed toward the background, but it's still hanging out there. Uh, there's the Pawtucket Soccer Stadium, which needs more money uh, from the state, and it's unclear whether the legislature might be involved in that, whether the, whether the governor has, has come to an agreement to provide money for that. Um, so there's, 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 there's a whole laundry list of, of, of things, uh, that they'll be hashing out.
3: There's also the law enforcement officer's bill of rights, which as of a few weeks ago seemed like, oh, we're definitely going to do this this year, but I, I wonder, and this was, this is the bill that, um, this is the law that protects police officers, accused of wrongdoing and sort of they were going to reform it last year and it fell apart like on the last day. But I do wonder if that could get pushed to the back burner because they want to focus on guns or something that's a little bit more pressing, more urgent, although, of course, folks who want to reform or repeal Leobor would say that's very urgent as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one where I, where I think the, the timing, the, the moment to do that for the supporters <laughs> was last year and personalities and kind of the desire for the perfect Got in the way of well, something
0: Anastasia, that could have 't passed perfect be the good be the per- perfect be the enemy good what a great whatever it is Anastasia Williams pulled that bill at the end and that was and that was one year removed from George floyd now you're two years removed. what are it, you looking at yeah
2: you're I mean Leobor's the big question for me too. you had a really good story in the journal a couple weeks ago about this and and uh, it, to me it seemed like I think the longer it goes, the less momentum you have, and you know you get into an election year and if if the rest of the, you know, the next couple of months, if it's not a volatile summer, if you don't have a situation where you have a police officer that, you know, some recency in a police officer potentially doing something wrong, if none of that happens, you know, the conversation becomes much more, uh, people are much less, uh, lawmakers are much less likely to be, you know, willing to be considered going after police officers, right? They don't want to do it for no reason or for what they would view as no reason. And so if you have a quiet, you know, summer, I think they, they wouldn't be pushing for it at all. I think they'd like to get it done before the end of the session, but there are now lots of issues stacking up. But they've
0: got cover. I agree the urgency of the moment. They've got cover because the speaker has told me, not only on this show, but when I did that story, I'm for these changes. And it was – I mean, he usually doesn't say that. He was on the record. So, again, it might get lost in the other things. What are you hearing about budget? Because usually once the budget sails, then – everything you got to get done quickly because then people are, are you know ready to get out. Yeah, they're they're
1: trying to get a budget next week. Um I don't know if that's going to happen um that being the house uh, deliver its version, but those those negotiations are happening right now uh and that that is the key thing that that all this other stuff will is put in play with the budget. They're all interrelated and they'll all be traded and mixed together, and, and things will be uh, balanced out for one another. Do so they have
0: a big board? I know they don't let us in on the Democratic caucus. <laughs> Do they have a big board with, okay, the, the chit for this is here, the chit for this is here, I'll trade you this for this bill? It goes I believe every, it goes there are the lists. The, <laughs> yeah. There
1: are lists. And it, it's a, it's at the third floor when this stuff all gets... Uh, Negotiated in the the Speaker or the, the Senate President out of the pipe
0: out of the speaker yeah they've themselves. got
1: you know, I I believe there are pieces of paper with lists
0: I've been told that it so says a checkerboard yeah, right exactly. <laughs> all right Dan did you have in 2022 on your bingo card Stephen Pryor running against James DeOsa in a primary for treasurer
2: no certainly
0: not <laughs> uh, that was
2: an interesting it's an interesting development now for he's the, been rumored for yeah, a long time. for the last couple of months obviously we've all been hearing that Stephen Pryor was going to you know. Uh, run for this. I think we probably all thought a couple of, a year ago, we, we all thought Stephen Pryor might follow Gina Raimondo to Washington
0: or go find a new job. Um, and he was kind of on the out with McKee. I mean, personally, they were doing well. Personally, they were doing well, but he you know, all the rollout at Commerce and everything, I think a lot of people thought he's just going to get swept out. And and they actually formed a pretty good relationship. Yeah, well,
2: here's the thing. One, we should say, Stephen Pryor's a a brilliant guy, so he he is a talented guy, but he's the greatest suck-up in the history of Rhode Island politics. I mean, you hear him every time he's on an interview. He's crediting... You know, the governor's brilliant. Transformative <laughs> governor, transformative mayor. And, and so he f- makes you feel really good. I'm sure Dan McKee likes to be told how smart he is. And so they did become, they did form a little bit of an alliance. And um, and he's going to be really formidable in this race. He's going to raise a ton of money. He's going to have an interesting donor list. I think it'll be a little bit like Gina uh, Raimondo a, a bunch of years ago. You're going to see national names on that list. Um, and I think people, you know, who have worked with him, laborers, that crowd, I think they're going to be, you know, willing to at least give him a chance, but James Dios is going to have some grassroots. I think he's, um, he's organized really well. We all get emails every single day with endorsements from hit for him. So that's going to be one of the most interesting primary races.
3: Yeah, I mean, the fact that Pryor got the endorsement from the cities and town, democratic committee hours after he announced yeah. Shows yeah, that he what is a, that? Legi- well. He, yeah, he actually said in an, an interview on 12 News yesterday that that was actually the impetus for him to finally announce because he knew this endorsement was about to be decided, and it was like, will he or won't he? He got he has to get in the race, or he has to decide he's not going to get in the race. A coveted Democratic town <laughs> chair. Everyone <laughs> strategizes <laughs> for that. But Geos <laughs> says you said has already picked up a number of endorsements because he was the only person in the race for a while, so it was uh, certainly a little bit a little bit late, I guess, for for Prior to get in, but. Still a month left till you have to declare. Yeah,
1: I'm, I mean, I'm just also interested to see how prior transitions from a kind of bureaucrat, a class. And that's part of when you are the bureaucrat, you you, you look to the guy up in charge and you flatter them. Right. But it's different to be the candidate, um, and especially to have an opponent um, in a Democratic primary, how he transitioned. He's, he's, he's not the most he's natural. A little,
0: po- he's a little awkward, isn't, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's very detail-oriented. And the question is, can he distill messages and get them out where they connect with people. Um, And, you know, Treasurer isn't the most emotional uh, topic. It's not an office where you're dealing with high-profile third-rail issues. So that, that plays in his favor. But can he get people to, to
0: really like him is going to be an interesting question. He's also said, though, about the treasurer, you know, the school bond he talked about, you know, trying to make it relatable. The thing about Deosa, nice guy, I think was the right guy for the right time in Central Falls. He makes it sound like he did this great turnaround. He was on training wheels for the whole time he was there. The state budget commissioner, whoever was overseeing, there was all, that budget was done for him year to year. So when he announced, I thought... Does he really have the financial background to be treasurer?
2: Yeah, it's a legitimate question. I mean, you know, he certainly he would argue I was elected multiple times by the voters of Central Falls. I was a mayor. Central Falls, you know, is a city and all that. And so, you know, you do have that management experience. But this will be the argument. I can imagine, you know, the Patrick Anderson story in in the Journal one day of, of, you know, comparing the sort of the career path of Stephen Pryor versus the career path of of James DeOsa. And Stefan Pryor's gonna have a much better argument that he's ready to do this kind of high-level job. All that being said, again, you know, none of that matters to the voters necessarily. And if James DeOsa, you know, works hard, he already has the endorsement, I believe, of the governor. So that's going to help him. If, and, and if he has, you know, kind of grassroots support, um, I think that there will be enough. You know, he'll be the lefty candidate in the race, so to speak. And I think that will help him in this state, certainly in a primary. Um, and so this is going to be a really, it's going to be an interesting race for an office that is not interesting at all.
0: I yeah. thought it was interesting. So let's talk about the Channel 12 poll that you guys had a couple of weeks ago yes. in conjunction with Roger Williams. Um, I, I don't know if it surprised people or not. Nellie Gorbea has had internal polling that said she's doing well all along. This showed that they're in, she and McKee are in a virtual dead heat.
3: Yeah, it was within the margin of error, two points apart. So they're neck and neck, but as the poll showed, Undecided is in the lead. Um, so there's still, I I think it was, I think it was 37%. I don't have it in front of me. That was undecided. So there's still plenty of voters for any of the candidates to pick up, um, the question is, is who's going to get them? But yeah, neck and neck, McKee and, or, and Gorbea, and it's a lot of it's about name recognition. It was before Helena folks got on the air with TV right ads, before she started yeah. Getting those ads. So they're, you know, both of them are statewide office holders right now. Everyone knows who they are. Most people know who Gorbea is, and so I, there's still plenty of time for the other candidates to pick up those undecideds.
0: What was up with that? Ch- the chairs endorsing not only Gorbea but also Deborah Jerry. It was like anybody but <laughs> McKee and uh, Matos. Was there some behind the scenes that I'm missing there? Or- not that I can report at this time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that off believe, the record. All yeah. right, so but Patrick, if you after the, the show, rumors, yes. will you tell me what's yes, going I'm on? Right. All right, okay. There are but rumors. Sure. Yes, I can't go. <laughs> But
1: yeah, um it's an obscure group. There are personalities involved. Let's just say that. There are people with connections and, and jobs and stuff that might, you know, that might play into that. Um Going, going back to the poll, McKee has had a year in relatively favorable circumstances going into it at least in terms of the economy and, and COVID and not having a challenger who, who everyone knows and is the front runner to challenge him. And he hasn't been able to really connect with people and consolidate things yet. And that, that's kind of what that showed. And so now the question is, can anyone, can anyone else really – you know, can Nelly? make that case or can helena with her advertising get her name recognition up and 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 take that spot
0: quickly because they're going outrageous go ahead
2: yeah patrick said something uh before about the budget that i think is really important that's interesting for governor mckee which is you know they've got all this money to spend do they want to kind of find a way to cut checks to people that can change people's you know opinions really easily? And it, it, you know that's he need Governor McKee needs some sort of big victory, whether it's the sales tax cut, something else, because right now he's not he's not looking
0: good. Seth Magaziner would love that because the checks would come from the treasury, <laughs> right? That, that would help. I it says I Seth Magaziner,
3: but could they somehow <laughs> yeah. make it say Dan McKee? It was
0: like Donald <laughs> Trump trying to sign the check. Um, outrageous or kudos? We have just a couple minutes left. Patrick, what do you have? Well, it would be remiss
1: not to go to, to, to Texas. Um, I mean, the, um, the the outrage, I guess, at, uh, other than the obvious one of just how unspeakable everything is, is it does not appear that the at least the communications uh, people for the spokespeople for law enforcement in, in Texas can get their story straight about exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, kudos to, to just to anyone surviving. Uh, down there uh, it's it's just so unspeakable, but they've got to get their stuff together
3: yeah, it's hard to be outraged about anything other than the mass murder of children um in texas and and as as a journalist as as Patrick mentioned, the fact that the at these press conferences they the law enforcement officials and again, this is as of Friday morning, have not been able to lay out the timeline yet of what happened in the apparently hour that the gunmen was in the school and parents- And they said one of
0: their guys engaged with him they, and then they said somebody was they, not there. They
3: initially said a school resource officer had engaged with him on the way in. Now they're saying, oh no, he just went in a, a back door. Where did that original story come from? Parents are saying they were screaming at officers to run in the building and they weren't doing so. And again, I do not know the facts. I'm not reporting on the ground in Texas, but to to have, to have be three days later and ha- for the, the public and the, and, the vic- and the victim's families to really not even know The basic facts is, I think, outrageous. Mr.
0: McGowan, you get the last minute.
2: It's going to be the trifecta, of course. It's the only issue anybody cares about what happened in Texas. And I think, you know, as we talked earlier about what's, you know, what bills could pass at the state level, I think it's really important that we (laughs) keep the spotlight on. Congress, right? Because getting things done at the federal level, you know, you, you suddenly could have some, you know, uni, uh, universal background checks, things like that, that could really make a difference. Wouldn't have necessarily stopped what happened there, but could stop the next one or, or future one. So, you know, I, I think as much as I've written about trying to get this, you know, our state lawmakers to get on board with things. Uh, somebody really needs to push Congress and President Biden needs to really push them along to get something done. Do you think there's enough to bring 10 Republicans over? Be Very difficult. I yeah, think you no, might we, have to end the filibuster, right? I mean, I think you'd have right, to. Right, and
0: then you ju- but they don't want to do that for right. a variety of that's reasons. Right. So, yeah. okay, folks, it's always a quick half hour. Thank you for joining us, Dan and Patrick and Steph. Keep up the great work, and folks, come back here next week if you don't catch us Friday at 7 or Sunday at noon. Check us out all over social media on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and of course, all of our shows are archived at ripbs.org/lively. And what's better than taking us on your podcast? You want to listen to maybe something political, some music, and then take lively along the way on your walk. Uh, we will be here. Uh, everything's happening very quickly at this time of year. We'll have it all covered. Come back here next week as the lively experiment continues.